I want to spend our time this morning, the sermonette, to pick up where I left off last week um, as we consider wholeheartedly what it means to be God's stewards. I feel this is a good and needed emphasis at this mid-year time as we transition from summer to kick off the school year, our midweek gathering season. My hope in these two sermons is to help us as a church to truly stop and take some inventory of how are we stewarding, how are we managing all that God has entrusted to us. And that we are not sinfully, pridefully, selfishly making our lives about us, but we're making it all about Him. This makes sense, because everything we have and are is His, and it should be managed His way. This is what the word steward means. Dictionary definition of a steward is one who manages or looks after that which belongs to another. Church, we belong to God. Everything in this entire creation belongs to Him. Everything we possess ultimately belongs to God, and it is to be stewarded for His glory It is to be managed His way. This is what it means to be managers of someone else's stuff. God-honoring stewardship is our privileged opportunity to be faithful managers of God's provisions and God's purposes for God's glory and the good of His creation. My question to you is, do you see your entire life through this lens? Do you rightfully see that all that you have, all that you are, belongs to God, and it is to be lived out and managed His way. Church, we must. First Chronicles 29, 14, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. God has called us to steward all that belongs to Him in this time on earth that He's entrusted to us for His purposes. What belongs to Him? All of it. That means my life is His. My family is His. My body is His. My money is His. My time is His. My skills are His. That I would get out of the way. That I would dethrone my priorities and honor Him as a faithful steward of it all. Romans 1.6 says, The heart of Christianity is to belong to Jesus. Do you see that? Are you on the throne of your life, or is the Lord on the throne? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Last week we looked at what it means to be God's stewards of our blood families, the uniqueness of those priorities at home, and the different ways He's entrusted that to us in our different situations. If you missed that sermon, I'd encourage you to go back and catch our podcast uh, on our website so you can have part one of this. And, and today I want to look towards the stewardship of our blood bought family. It's appropriate we would speak of these things in our mid year update, our summer all church gathering. So, if you turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 15, I want to jump right in as we cover three areas. There's many, but I want to cover three, considering the stewardship of, what, of the blood-bought family that the Lord has saved us to be part of, the church. Paul says to Timothy at the end of chapter 3, 
verse 14 and 15. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Paul wants to be with his brother in Christ. He loves Timothy. He wants to be with his church family. As he's faithful to the mission the Lord has given him, he's expressing that love for them in this letter. But in his absence, he loves them by sending this this letter. Why? So that they may know how they ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. We belong to him. So we should behave as he's called us to. We are the church of the living God. We belong to Christ. And we who belong to Christ are to steward our days, the days God gives us under the sun, for priority, the proclamation of the gospel, for the making of disciples, for the serving of others in the name of Christ, and the obedience to God in all matters. These are true priorities to us that God has given us, church. Our spiritual growth and involvement in the local church is a most central part of our lives. It's not a secondary part. It's not a a small piece of our week. It's a major part of what it means to live as part of the body of Christ, to do life together, serve Him. The local church is not just a dispenser of goods and services, as many modern churches have designed it to be, and many Christians have learned, learned it to be. Its role is not to serve us. We are the church. We are to do the work of the church as we serve the Lord and make much of Him. Paul says, I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. Oh, how we need to know how to behave in the house of God. God wants us to to live and to act and to think and to make decisions and spend money and and interact with each other according to His good word. And so we do that. We forgive each other. We make every effort to squash any drama. We we look to to walk in unity. We, We humble ourselves to outdo each other. We We love each other. We admonish each other. We pray for each other. We hold each other up. Mourn together. Celebrate together. But in particular, in this portion of the text, I want us to see this this morning. Paul sees the church, the bride of Christ, the called out ones, the saved and sanctified ones, the adopted ones, the daughters and sons of God, as a pillar and buttress of the truth. This is a serious and central representation of what the church is to do and to be in the world. We cannot afford to try to be the church and to do church and not ground ourselves in the truth. So to be clear, who decides what is true and what is not? God does. God is truth. Where can God's truth be found or known? In His holy written word to us. How do we know what is true and what is not in this world of many opinions, experts, ideas, traditions, and beliefs? We study God's Word. We hold fast to it. We obey it. We learn it rightly. We're corrected by it. And we teach it to others. 
This is such a vital part of being God's stewards. We must start here when evaluating what it means to be a steward of a healthy church, of, a, of what it means to be a part of Christ's church. What is being done with God's truth as revealed in His written Word? If we are going to be a pillar of truth, a foundation or buttress of truth, then we must have our foundation strongly built on the truth of God's Holy Word. This means... Any old popular church won't do. Where are those biblical priorities? Where is the truth being held to and lived out without compromise? This this book, this collection of books, is, is unlike anything ever written. Because it is the very Word of God to us. God, the creator of the universe, the one who holds all things together and who knows everything there is to know. The one who is infinitely wise and full of grace and truth. This God inspired the writers of Holy Scripture in such a way that the Christian Scriptures are the infallible Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is breathed out by God. 2 Timothy 1.21, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You must realize something important that I think we often forget. This Word of God, this revelation of God, is not hidden in a cave somewhere. In the distance, distant farthest reaches of the planet, no, no, it's in your hands. You have it. You have it. You possess it. Many in the world don't have access to it yet, but you do. You can hold His Word in your hands, the very words of God. The revelation of the living God. The one who is truth. I mean, do you hear what I just said? Do you really hear it? Do you understand what you have here? Do you even know where your Bible is? Do you leave home without it? Do, do you go through this life without it? Do you pack it for your vacation, for your work day, to take it on your lunch break? Or do you just neglect it because you have found a way just to get busy with all these other things? I think one of the greatest victories for the enemy is to get Christians busy with a lot of other things. God has saved you from the enemy. He has put a holy sword in your hands, church. And he said, go. Teach this to others and make disciples of the nations. Go fight. Go testify. Go make disciples. But have you set your sword down and made your priorities or your days about other things? You're good at a lot of other things. This must be primary in our lives. In the seasons we're in, 
nothing should come close to what we ought to feel for the value of God's word for us. This is why the psalmist cries out, incline my heart to your testimony, Psalm 119.36. He's asking this of God because as great as this book is, as great as his word is, there are just so many distractions. Screaming, calling, tempting us. Tempting our flesh to them. So we have to fight that fight so that we're in it, so that we are, are, are valuing it and growing in it and being shaped by it and reformed by it. One of the great evidences of sanctification in your life is that you're not staying on the course you set out to go on. It's our pride that has decided this, this was the set course for my life and I'm going to stay on it. The fruit of great humility when we have made some significant changes along the way to really hone in on what the Lord has truly called us to do and to be. God gave us a book of complete truthfulness about Himself, His saving work, His will for us. That alone should make you long to read it, know it, and grow in it. Church, this is a major reason why we prioritize Sunday worship in our week. Why we protect it. We go to bed early enough on Saturday to be here on time. We, we, we try not to overly travel or to take jobs by which we work on Sundays. We, we value this gathering because the Lord's called us to it. He's commanded us to it because it's where we are largely equipped by the shepherds in the right learning and being equipped of the Word. Is Sunday worship a true non-negotiable priority for you and your family? Is it something you are quick to dismiss to do other things? If you miss, are you faithful to get the link to the sermon, listen online, or watch, to continue to walk with us, grow in His Word? This is a vital part of our stewardship of our part of the church as we grow as individuals and families as a whole. What about your, your personal daily Bible reading? Philippians 2, 14-16, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. I stand before you today, church, as one of your shepherds, to plead with you, to call you, to inspire you, to motivate you, to encourage you, to persuade you, to lead you, to hold fast to the Word of God, to build your life on it. When I say hold fast, I mean something more than just a few minutes a day. I mean more than just little snips at it. I mean to give yourself to it every day. Every day. Every day. You likely have things that you are joyfully committed to every day. Disciplines, practices, things you love to give your time to. This needs to be one of those. And likely bigger than those. John Piper said something years ago that really rocked me and continues to minister to me. There is a spiritual diet without which no Christian can be strong or healthy or fruitful. 
That is a diet of the Word of God. Are you eating? Do you have a steadfast diet of the Word of God? The purpose of the Scriptures is to cause us to deepen our love, our commitment to Christ. He is the power, the source of our salvation, of our sanctification. Please don't starve the grace you've been given. May we grow in God's truth so that we can be that pillar of truth in this world. And raise up young pillars of truth. Not haphazardly, faithfully, diligently. By God's grace and will. Another critical area of our stewardship in the Bloodbot family is in the area of what we are doing with our money and our resources. God has entrusted to us to be used for His glory and His fame. It's not something that we are overtly uh, focused on, but it is a key area of life in Christ, of how we're stewarding what He's entrusted to us. Holy Scriptures talk about our stewardship of our money often. It is a real part of, of our testimony, and it's a real key part of our participation in the body of Christ for the making of disciples and the advancement of the gospel. Our American money says something that's very profound. It says, in God we trust. Oh, how the people and leaders of our nation need to trust in God in these days we are in. Amen? That said, when you consider the money that you have in your possession... I want you to never forget what God has essentially commissioned us with. That we remember that God is essentially saying to us, as He entrusts us with any form of income, with this money I have entrusted you to steward it for my glory. Christian, is that your view of your money and the things He's entrusted to you? That when you get that bonus, when you get that paycheck, you're first thought is, praise the Lord for what will happen eternally because of this. The lives that will be truly and forever changed and matured. The work of the Lord to continue. The problem is that our flesh feels that we are the ones who worked hard for our money, and so we kind of say, well, this is mine. And for those who struggle with that feeling, I read you a scripture last week, I'll read it to you again. Those of you who are struggling with that feeling, I worked hard to earn what I have. Deuteronomy 8, 17-18 You may say to yourself, My power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The problem is that most people aren't even content with what God's entrusted to them. So many are living beyond their means. Spending money that's not theirs on credit cards and loans and payment plans because they're not satisfied in the Lord. There's more that they think they need to be happy, content, productive in this life. As Christ followers, it's important that we make war with these sinful, selfish perspectives and practices so that we can become good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. So our testimony really is not one of keeping up with the Joneses, or fulfilling the narrative of what the world says a good life is. No, it is a joyful participation in what the Lord has ordained to entrust us, rich or poor. I'm stewarding that well to show others my joy is in Christ. 
our lives, this family's priority is Christ. It's not these things that you others in the world might say it is. Oh, how lost you are. In need of a Savior you are. In need of discovering the joy of the Lord. As Christ followers, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our treasure, our joy is Christ. That means we can joyously, regularly, generously live an open-handed life that doesn't overcling to temporary things, but looks to store them well for the Lord. The first priority of what we do with the money that God's entrusted to us is to honor and worship Him with it. This is the biblical teaching. Throughout Scripture, we see the general equity of worshiping and trusting God with our money by giving of our first fruits to Him. Understand, church, no matter how much your income is, your giving is not based on the performance of the church. That is a wrong way to think about your giving. Here's how the church is performing, therefore this is what I'll give. No, your giving should be a generous, regular proportion of what God has entrusted to you. That's the measurement of what your giving should be. It is a response to Him. It's a worship of Him. It's an obedience to Him. First fruits giving simply means the first portion of your income is joyfully given to the Lord as an act of worship and a testimony of whom you love and trust in more than anything else. It's a testimony of truly what is important to you. The concept of even first fruits giving is a wonderful testimony to us. Farmers of old would labor all year, and those who trusted in the Lord would give the first fruits of that crop their very lives on the line to show the community we trust the Lord. Before they would fill their bellies or, or, or prioritize temporary things, they honored God with it. If you love your comfort most, you'll pay your mortgage first. If you love your family most, you'll buy your groceries first. If you love your entertainment most, you'll pay the cable bill first. And on and on. One of the practical ways we show God and others that we love Him and trust Him is to truly give Him of our first fruits first and then live on what is remaining. In many years of doing this, I've never had someone write that ship and come back and say, I really regret doing that. No, they'll come back and say, I'm living on less and yet the the Lord is providing for us. And that is the way to do it. It's not to take your budget and say, what can we squeeze out? Christian, I commend you to start over today. Consider faithfully what is the income the Lord is entrusting to you and commit to Him a faithful, generous, regular portion of that. And then with what you have left, reset your lifestyle. And that might mean you don't eat out every day. And that might mean you do things different. You drive a different car. You live in a different house. That is a God-honoring adjustment to live within the means of what is entrusted to us. If God has given you an income, then you are to be obedient to Him to give of your first fruits to the local church that you're a part of. This would include God's gracious provision of bonuses, inheritance, abnormal sources of income. All of that ultimately is from the Lord by His sovereign plan. If we are prayerfully seeking the Lord and committing to Him, then we will be faithful with what He gives us, with what's left. I've said for years, 
God, you will do so much better off with the remaining portion than what you'll do with the whole portion. Because you're honoring Him. Because you're not rejecting His design. Right? And so, in the New Testament, especially in First and Second Corinthians, Paul gives the New Testament church specifics. I don't have time to walk through them this morning, uh, but I'll, I'll give you them in bullet point fashion. Church, we are to give joyfully. Each one must give of what he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, a joyful giver. We, we don't do it reluctantly. That's not the right heart to give. And we don't do it under compulsion, so therefore we just give it all away and there's no stewardship of our days. We, we do it joyfully. We do it rightly. We are to give regularly. New Testament encourages us to do it regularly. The first fruits of our regular income. The Bible says in the New Testament and other places that we bring our regular commitment to support the ministry and the ministers that you are participating in doing life with. Right? The, the church that God has ordained you to be part of. All that this church needs to do its ministry moving forward is in all who God gathers here to be part of this church. As long as we're all being faithful with what He's entrusted to us. Amen? Some of you are not yet members of our church. But by all good and regular means, this is your church. And you are faithfully a part of it. You're benefiting by it. You're serving. You're attending. This is the table from which you and your family are eating. Therefore, this is the table by which you should participate in giving of your first fruits. That is good and right and honoring to the Lord. The Lord has been clear that we are to obey Him in this, honor Him in this. To not do it haphazardly, but to do it regularly. Are you faithfully doing that? We are to give generously. New Testament calls us to generous giving. Right? How do we test what is generous? Generosity means it costs you something. It's not generous if it's out of an overflow. It means something's different about your life. That's when you know you're being generous. Who's our model for that? No better, look no further than Jesus himself. Are we giving generously? Is this a joyful and regular part of our testimony in the stewardship of what God's called us to? And then finally, are we giving proportionally? Right? You are to give out of the portion He entrusts to you. If God is entrusting you with much in your income, maybe in your dual income, in your provisions, then you are to give much. If, if He's trusting you with a little, then you, then you give out of that portion. Faithfully. Right? Please understand, there is no longer a specific percentage prescribed in the New Covenant Church by which we are to give. We do not need to call our financial first fruits giving to the Lord a tithe because that was a commandment of the Old Covenant for a particular part of the Old Covenant for a particular time to fulfill a particular need. Many Bible scholars will say, though, the general equity of God's commands on this topic means the New Covenant Christian should see a tenth as a good starting place for your regular giving, as it was the standard of the Old Testament. But we must be clear, there is no didactic teaching on a number or percentage. 
What the New Testament does teach us is points us to Christ-like, generous giving of our first fruits. A life that is consumed by and fulfilled by Christ. A life that is committed to taking up our cross, dying to ourselves to live for Him. Many would argue what we're called to give in the New Covenant is even greater than the Old. The key is to being our good stewards of our money and our stuff that God has entrusted to us is to continue to remember that it is His. And I'm managing His for Him to do it His way. I want to encourage you as one of your shepherds to give joyfully, regularly, generously, proportionally as the Lord's Word prescribes. This is an honest and real area we walk with our church family. It's a part of your covenant when you commit with us because like any other era, we are to be obedient to the Lord. So we have conversations. We'll lovingly send an email to some of our believers when maybe they're struggling here. And how can we help? How can we come alongside? Do you need assistance? Do you need counsel? Do you need just accountability because you have slipped to prioritize other things? This is a real part of our walking together. Church, may our generosity and faithfulness to this important area of the Bloodbot family be a true marker of our commitment to be a faithful steward to the Lord. If you have neglected this area, then let today be a day where the Holy Spirit's causing you to be convicted and then to repent and to transition this practice. We're here to help you walk that out. It's a joyful part of our journey together. May we do that well, and the Lord will provide all we need. Finally, this morning, God's Word is clear in a number of places to teach that. He brings many who are separate and different together to form one body so that we can use our varied gifts and steward them well to serve the Lord. One of the wonderful places we see this is in Peter's words, 1 Peter 4, 9-11. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift... Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let me simply ask you, as you consider the stewardship of your life, especially related to the blood-bought family, How are you doing your part to serve in the local church? What is your area of faithful, committed service to this family? Each of us should have something we contribute. There's this helpful imagery I've used over the years that I pray is a blessing to you, even if it brings conviction unto repentance. Are you, Christian, letting everyone around you do the rowing in the local church? while you sit and enjoy the ride? Or are you humbly, joyfully, faithfully discovering and identifying an oar that can be put in your hands to help row this boat by which you are contributing to the work of our Lord in and through the blood-bought family? The church is a group of people saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus for the purposes of the glory of God. This is not a country club. It's not a place where you pay dues and then receive a certain amount of services. And when you decide those services aren't exactly what you like anymore, you change your membership to another country club. The church is more like a team. Not that you come to watch, 
but that you come to participate with. God has saved you into His family, and therefore you have a part to play. Therefore, from home, maybe here on Sunday mornings, maybe during midweek, or at a different time of the week, where are you serving? How can you help? Using your gifts and time to be a blessing to the work of the Lord in the local church. The Bible says every one of God's redeemed children have been entrusted with a gift. Each has received a gift to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right there, church. See that call upon you. Are you using the resources and abilities that you've been entrusted with to serve one another? To play our part on the team? To be a part of the mission of God? I love Paul's words in Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's a big stumbling block for many. You believe you're overqualified. To think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. Let us use them, church. Are you using your gifts, the time, the abilities, the resources God's entrusted to you to steward for His purposes and His glory? Are you being faithful in your service? Are you quick to bail out, to cancel, to not show up? Are you making it a priority? Do you take it serious? Are you following through? Are you doing it with love and grace? Galatians 5.13 You were called to freedom, brothers. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is a beautiful marker of what it means to be the local church. We're not meant to do this life alone. It is a joy to do it together. If you have found yourself to an island, if you have found your way to being unplugged, then let's plug in. Then let's identify an oar to put in your hands and let's go forward. We won't serve one another, carry each other's burdens, show hospitality if we get really wrapped up in ourselves. Or if we're still in pursuit of just the world's joys. Church, Christ must be enough. And then we will steward it well. One final note before I wrap up our time this morning as it relates to our stewardship practices in the local church. There's an important clarity when it comes to our serving in the church that we must be sure to address. And it's something we've been talking more lately with our leadership here at the church. Ministry leaders, group leaders, staff, elders. And, and that is that we need to be involved in Christ's body rightly, faithfully, joyfully, sacrificially, playing the part God has given us to play. But we are not to get so involved in the good things of the church that we neglect the first priorities of God that He's assigned to us. There is an order of what we are to tend to by which we must be and will be accountable to. We must honor God with balance and accountability when it comes to the things that we are committing ourselves to. Each of us who belong to Christ need to have a place where we are faithfully serving to do our part to be a blessing in Christ's body, but also not 
so much so to get caught up in serving others that you begin to neglect the first things that God has given you to steward in your own life and in your home. The things we talked about last week. May we truly slow to do business with the fact that it all belongs to Him and is to be managed and stewarded His way and not ours. For His glory and not ours. Beloved, I pray you take some serious inventory this week. Consider your journey and commitment to the stewardship of the blood-bought family. Your commitment to Sunday worship. To the degree it's a blessing for your discipleship and further growth. Your commitment to midweek gathering. Further growth discipleship. Your commitment to your daily study of God's word. To steward the money that God's entrusted to you. To give of your first fruits regularly, generously, proportionally. Of all that he's entrusted to you. Finally, to be truly leaning in to identify a primary place that you are serving in the church so that you are doing your part to help row the boat. That is the ministry of Disciples Church within the kingdom of God. We do this to honor Christ. Peter said it well at the end of our 1 Peter 4 passage, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, we thank You for these two Sunday sermons to just pause in our journey through the New Testament to take a more systematic look at what you call us to do in being your stewards. And specifically the areas where that plays out at home in our personal lives and in our wonderful participation in the local church. Father, I'm thankful for the journey you have us on. For some, even just the ways you've brought us to this place on this day, to begin to do work with some areas that we have found a way to neglect. To begin to be accountable and called out for things that maybe we've begun to do our way. Saying we love Jesus, saying we belong to Christ, but then really still being the Lord of our own lives. Lord, we belong to you. May in all these things we truly be faithful to you. And I look forward to the fruits and the testimony of what comes with the repentance and sanctification of our members and, and those who are here today in these things. The ways in which you are binding us together to walk together and serve you. May the gospel be bright. May the good news be good news to many who you are saving and may you be at work as we are committed to discipleship in these days you give us under the sun. We love you. Be glorified as we worship you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.